We are trailblazers. We are scientists. We are diplomats. We are warriors. We are protectors. We are healers. We are pioneers. We are explorers. We are family. And we are the crew of the USS Arabella, boldly going where no one has gone before. Hello, and welcome to The Ready Room, the Trexan sci-fi microcast. I'm Jen, and I play Commander Cyril. And this is Kenny. I play Captain Nathan Quinn of the USS Arabella. On this week's Ready Room, we'll have the RPG protocol, a dramatization, and our final thoughts. Diagnostic complete. Initiating RPG protocol. Okay, for this week's RPG protocol, um, we're just going to kind of briefly touch on what's going on in the game and use that to rally the troops because we're nearing the end of this season yep. and we want it to, to be spectacular so <laughs> that when we begin the next season, um, we'll have something to build on. Maybe we could tie the two together. So anyway, I, um, have you been keeping up this week, Kenny? Uh, I've read a few of them. I'm, I was prepping to actually read them, so um, yeah. I mean, I've enjoyed what's what's been going on. I just it's feel like it's moving slowly, but I, it I'm, is. I'm sure it's going to get there eventually. Mm-hmm. I just I don't honestly I don't know where you guys are going with it, which is great. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to end, so I'm actually enjoying the read. So that's always a plus, but mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how you guys are going to end it. Well, the ones that are writing the scene, um, you know, with the magician, mm-hmm. um, I'm involved with those guys. I, I guess I'm involved in, with the other team, too. But um, we are doing a lot of joint posts, and mm-hmm. we're thinking it through, bef- you know, discussing, okay, now why would she do this, and why would they do that, and and trying to figure out reasons for for what's happening before yeah. we actually start writing. Yeah. So that's why it's kind of slow right now because people are, have become a little busier, so it's taking a little longer for them to return the, the email with their thoughts. Mm-hmm. So right now we've got a joint post in the works. Um, I think I have two in the works. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, we just posted one. But um, there's another one that should tie some some action is coming down the, the pike. So right. tie some strings up with that and... We've decided that I think in the last post that was put up on the on the boards um, was by In Stitches, mm-hmm. and we've decided that the little girl, this terrific child that gave um, everybody such a hard time running through the the crowd and you know telling them that they, she was going to take them to the magician, and it turns out the magician's her dad. You know, we kind of read all that stuff mm-hmm. um, in the past two pod or two episodes, but. Um, She's uh, given off a scent to Mackie, who who is a, a being who um, communicates through pheromones and can read thought, you know, who who and what a person's all about by smelling them, mm-hmm. and realizes this is not a terroristic child; it's a human. And um, so, anyway, there's a whole backstory to that in the last post uh-huh. uh, which is um, reply 259 that was posted on Ju- June 27th but I don't know if I could tell you <laughs> any more than that but it has to do with a um, TOS episode 
Oh, okay. So, cool. Yeah, then we're tying it in with that. So it's going to be good. I look I forward think. to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do you guys see you guys wrapping it up in a few weeks? I know we're yes. saying a few weeks and a few weeks and it yeah. just keeps going a few weeks. Yes, but. yes. It's a little bit more. It's a difficult um, thing to to pull off in a way that's not hokey har har, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're just trying to be smart about you know how how, how and why these people have technology because the magician was able to create um, what he what everyone's referring to as mirror spawn to defend his master. Okay. And so we've decided that he's able to do that through technology. When they watched him do it, when he performed his demonstration for Kararth, who mm-hmm. claimed he wanted to hire him, you know, uh-huh. to protect them. And so now everybody's kind of, you know, uh, blocking the exits yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that they can't escape. Yeah. And they've asked for the device. And so, um, yeah, it's gonna, the, the, you know, what's gonna hit the fan? <laughs> and so. It's all, yeah. It, it's going to have something to do with the the scientists and all that, so mm-hmm. should be tying things up shortly. Oh, nice. Well, I look and, you're reading it, so yeah, yeah. It's turning out pretty good. So, really, our our RPG protocol is all about um, rallying the troops. So, if you have a character anywhere in the story, not just on the the planet, just anywhere in the story. You know, Start post away because because yeah. we've got another team that's going to be bringing a mummy back to the ship for study. So you need to be you know helping us with that. You know, email each other, talk about what is going to happen, cooperate, and let's bring this story to an end and and do it upright. Yeah, yeah. So, we all we want to try to end everybody's story at the same time. Yeah. So just try to pace it with everybody else, and like I said, we are trying to finish it sooner than later. Um, but we don't want to rush it. it. We do want it to naturally end, and we want it to end well. Yeah, so. and maybe we should start having, you know, in, in these joint posts, conversing with one another about how and if we want to connect this season with the next season. Yeah, how we can plant some seeds for next season. Yeah, plant some seeds for the next season. Uh, you've already done that sort of with the Captain Bell yes. thing. Yes, yeah. So. Yeah, we definitely um, started. Yeah, in the first few posts of this season um, – Quinn received uh, a message that that Captain Bell came back. Which, if you're not familiar with Captain Bell, in our first season, that was the captain of the Tiberius. Yeah. And he was he was um, written by the first moderator of this of this game, and we've discussed him before. He he um, dropped out of the game and and left the the steering wheel of the Tiberius to <laughs> to Kenny. So but we wrote that his character disappeared. We couldn't find you know, he was he was taken by the Iconians. Mm-hmm. And I was not even when I was writing that, sure who the heck the Iconians were. <laughs> but we're not gonna mention them anymore. But uh so he's come back and he's in a coma and we thought it would be interesting if maybe that was the double from the mirror universe. Yeah. So that might be may be something that we tie in, but it's still up in the air. Um, we're yeah, we're sure. still we're still open for suggestions. Yeah, and we are still planning to have a Skype call during our break to discuss where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll set that up. All right, so let's just yeah, just let's let's finish the story up. Let's uh, start collaborating with a few people. This is people on the ship and people on the ground. This is to everybody, and let's uh, finish this season. Season 7 needs to come to a close.
special dramatization. All right, for this week's dramatization, we wanted to do something special. Since we didn't do a reading, an RPG reading, just uh, for time reasons, um, we decided that we were going to bring up one of our older dramatizations from season two. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it's you can definitely see the um, the improvement that the writers have made, mm-hmm. and and just the things that people learned, and you know the way they've learned to say the the names and their yeah. writing styles changed. So it's it's good to see like how how far you've come. You know, yeah. if you're if you're a writer listening, um, this is this is your your um, benchmark. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. To see how far you've come. I mean, it yeah. was still fun back then, but I can. Oh, I loved it. See, I thought it was I awesome. Can, yeah, I definitely can see an improvement. So. Yeah. So and this is just to give you a little taste of what's to come, because Jen is working on a really cool one from season five, mm-hmm. um, and it'll be a full length one. This one kind of we did. I think we did. Half the season? Half the season, yeah. And then we never got back to it. I know we intended to, and it never really happened. So we're going to play you the first 30 minutes on this Ready Room podcast, and then we'll play the next 30 minutes on next week's Ready Room podcast. And then we'll tell you how the season ended, so you won't be leaving, you know, left hanging. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely we can tell you how to end it, um, just so you're not left hanging there. Yeah. And... Um, Great. So uh, let's go ahead and play. And who did this? Uh, Rick Moyer. Yes. Um, and Nathan. Angela. Angela and myself. you. Myself. Yes. But the writers who participated in season two, if we can remember them all, they were you, okay. uh, my, myself, yes. Angela, Angela, my my co-host and best buddy. Yes. Um, and um, uh, let's see who else was writing. King I, King, King Linkser, who who's uh-huh. his name is Tim. Um, Rico was uh, Ice, not writing at that time. Ice, Ice Man was. Um, Pepper Dude. Uh, yes, Pepper Dude was part of the group. Brian and CD. Brian CD, and I think yeah. that that's the the. Um, there the were bull. a lot less people writing back. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. We just I mean, that was our second season. So. And he was in. Was no, he was out by. Oh, Houston was gone by then. Yeah. 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 So. It was, it, was, it was good. It was fun. It was a good start to our... Because our first season was kind of out there. Mm-hmm. And I thought we really did well picking it back up for season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's definitely come a long ways. Yes. For season seven. So. so let's take a listen to season two of the Star Trek RPG game. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the USS Tiberius. Its mission, to seek out new life and civilizations, to carry out the objectives of Starfleet Command, and to boldly go where no one has gone before. Voice actors, Jen, Angela, and Rick. Edited by Nathan. For more adventures of the USS Tiberius, visit treksandsci-fi.com.
And now, Season 2, Family. Brought to you by the fans, for the fans. Incoming message. This is Hurano Pedro. Apologies for my absence. I recently choked on a groat cake. It was dry, and there was a shortage of squill syrup. My mentor beamed me to a passing lightship. I was unconscious at the time and was unable to inform the captain. Those pesky ships take an age. I was hospitalized in the Bajoran Fundamentalist Hospice and nursed back to health by the Prylars. Due to their fondness of chanting, my healing took a very long time. I doubt they passed on my messages as their vow of silence occurs every 27th rotation. Is Breck still aboard? End transmission. Brex felt relaxed. The sensation was amazing. His eyes were closed, and all he could feel was an Andorian's woman's antennae caressing his blue-ridged face. A slight hum seemed to fill the perfectly silent air. It grew into rhythmic, gravelly noise. Stop that! It tickles! Brex giggled. (laughs) And reached up to brush the antennae away from his face, only to feel the sharp twangs of a feline's claws ripping into his blue skin. Brex snarled. No, really! Stop that, Talus! Brex opened his eyes, expecting a beautiful blue female. Instead, he saw two large yellow eyes staring back at him. He reached out to touch the face, but at that very second... Meow! Mr. Mouse jumped away from Brex, nearly shattering a glass table. Margon stood above Brex, startled by the sight of his son in his quarters. Brex rolled his eyes. Oh, why am I here? I was just about to ask you the same thing. Margon picked up Mr. Mouse and stroked his fur, trying to calm him down. The last thing I remember was that darn bright white light. I was in a field with some of my customers from five forward. What's going on, Dad? Why am I here? Breck seemed annoyed by the fact that he would be in his father's quarters. What do these Iconians think? That I happen to be friends with the only other Bolian on board? Brex thought to himself. All I know is the captain's not aboard anymore. There's a briefing with Commander Quinn soon, and more will be explained then. Are you okay? Margon tried to smile, but it was very hard. I'm as good as I can be for getting transported around like someone's Tarkelian Felder beast. If you don't mind, I think I'm going to get out of your hair. Oh, yeah, scratch that. I'm just going to get back to five forward. Thanks for the use of your couch. You really should get a license for that animal. Breck started to get up and walk to the door. Maybe we should talk. Margon grabbed Rex's shoulder. No, Dad, stop it. Stop what? I never did anything. Margon looked confused. You stopped being my dad 50 years ago. Why start again now? Rex walked out the door. Margon looked at the floor. <sighs> Maybe he's right, Margon thought as he sat down with Mr. Mouse. The door closed. Rex looked out the window and five forward. He saw the stars in front of him. He glanced around the room to see no one. It was a quiet night. Brex tapped his comm badge. Brex to Jadan. There was no reply. Brex had not yet seen Jadan after the Iconian incident. He was surprised that he had not yet come to five forward. Computer, please locate Mr. Jadan. Jaden Marley is not aboard the Tiberius. The computer responded quickly. Brex looked out at the stars and started to panic. 
He thought for a moment. Maybe the computer was wrong. The Iconians may be affecting the ship's sensors. The door to Five Forward opened, and in walked Jadan. Jadan pulled his shirt down to hide the wrinkles. Ah, sorry, boss, I was a little distracted. <laughs> Breck smiled and looked at Jadan to see lipstick marks on his forehead. Ah, uh, you missed a little something. Breck took a towel and wiped the mark off his head. Jadan turned red and started to walk to the kitchen. I take it things went well on your date a while ago? Breck said with a small smile. Uh, you could say that. Jadan seemed nervous. Uh, you don't have to be scared, son. I know what that was like. The old days. <laughs> Brex picked up a glass and polished it. He knew that the replicator was capable of such a task, but he still enjoyed the fine art of bartending, even if it was old-fashioned. Jadan came back with a pad in his hand. Uh, boss, what exactly happened to us? Jadan asked. Well, all I know is that Commander Quinn should be explaining what's happening, Brex replied. It's just so hard to think that these people have been hiding all this time, just to cause all these problems, Jadan said defensively. Jadan shook his head and sighed. Brex looked outside and started to speak. I don't know what they're up to. No good, I presume. Anson Starstriker was disorientated from the white flash of light. But what was more concerning was the fact that the captain was missing. What is going on? We go to the Iconians for peace talks. Now we're headed off for another assignment? Something is definitely off. The Commander Quinn would be in charge now, and he was probably planning to debrief the senior officers soon. Pity I can't listen in. You cannot interfere. This is not your time. Soon all will be revealed. Starstriker sighed aloud. None of that mattered now. All that really mattered was the next mission, which was leading them to the outpost. Whoa, whoa, what's happening? Counselor Sutter had just woke up from staying in the holodeck for a very, very long time. Hey, Counselor Margon. He wasn't there. Well, I better clock in. Counselor Margon, I'm here. Sutter then had some scrambled eggs and hash browns. Ah, hash browns. Ever since Sutter came to Earth, he fell in love with hash browns. After he was done eating, he went to the counselor's room and searched the Starfleet records. Whoa, what a bizarro Borg. <laughs> Guess that's a question for Commander Quinn. Who wrote this report on me? And it's from a starbase, not some random space station. Hey, I never stole anything. The only thing in the report that Sutter thought was right was that he didn't like wearing a Starfleet uniform, and he twisted too many rules on other ships. Instead of wearing the jumpsuit... Sutter wore black cargo pants and a jacket with a uniform color on it. Andrus checked the computer and saw that there were patients scheduled, so he left the counselor's office and went to the holodeck. Computer, open program number 5607. Enter when ready, said the computer. He entered an arena. The arena looked like it was patterned after the USS Tiberius, and the enemies were just simple robots. They looked creepy. Andrus called, Computer! Type of game? Deathmatch. Enemies. Level 1. My armor? Type 1. With flames, phaser, machine gun. The match will start in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Begin. In 10 minutes, he took down all the robots and then activated his nice tropical island simulation. Ah, paradise. 
Andrus left and went back to the counselor's office. He sat at his desk and started playing a guitar. No one really knew he could, and he liked it that way. He played a very old Earth song called Smoke on the Water. He had the computer do the vocals and the rest of the instruments for all along the watchtower. It was not Bob Dylan's version that he played, though. It was Jimi Hendrix. Andrus loved those old songs. Computer, this is Lieutenant Commander Savril. Are my children aboard? The Vulcan asked as she slowly rose from the captain's chair. Naval and Marin are currently on deck 2, cabin 5. They were in her quarters, but were they alone? Where is the Betazoid Trolene? The computer's soothing female voice replied calmly. Charlong Trolene is not aboard the Tiberius. Had she been correct in her assumption that the retired teacher who had briefly served as the children's caretaker was somehow involved in the Iconian scheme? She called out to Lieutenant Peters. Lieutenant, I'm going to speak with Commander Quinn. You have the bridge. Aye, replied the chief security officer. Lieutenant Peters stepped around the captain's chair as Severil activated the ready room's door chime. Peters hesitated a moment before easing himself into Bell's command chair. It felt improper to be sitting there in the captain's seat. Captain Bell should be here. Shouldn't they be looking for him? They ought to go back to that place with heavily armed security detail. They could take him back by force. He sat on the edge of his seat, incapable of relaxing. Peters watched his hands as he slowly lowered them down upon the armrest. He gripped them hard as he lifted his gaze to watch the viewscreen's display of streaking stars. Enter, came Commander Quinn's tired voice. Savril stepped into the darkened room and found Quinn's silhouette seated on the floor in front of the viewport. His head was bowed and his hands were resting upon his crossed legs. She had interrupted his meditation. I apologize for the interruption, Commander. Oh, not at all. What is it that you need? he asked quietly. The shadows concealed his expression as he turned his face towards Savril. Are the Iconians holding the captain hostage? Like most Vulcans, she was always right to the point. I don't know, he replied. He motioned for her to sit. She sat down on the couch near Quinn, who remained seated on the floor. Commander, forgive me for being... forward, but I must ask. Why are we going to Starbase 157? Could we not call for assistance and go back to search for the captain? It was a rare thing to sense tension in a Vulcan. He had felt emotions coming from several, several times in the recent days. She'd been under a great deal of pressure. They all had. What good would that do? His voice never rose above a gentle whisper. We were at the mercy of the Iconians, an insect that has been flicked back to the Alpha Quadrant. He was right. At the time, they could not even manage to remain in the same room for more than an hour before Iconians instantly transported them to another location. She looked down at the shadowy outlines of her fingers. They were woven tightly together. Her cupped hands were held palms up in her lap. She quietly replied, You were right, Commander. They were silent for a moment before Quinn picked up where she had left off. The crew is distressed. I can hear their frustrations echoing in my mind. Severil shifted her eyes from her hands to Quinn. He closed his eyes and drew a deep breath. What could we have done? His voice trailed off before he opened his eyes and slowly stood up from his seated position. Savril kept her seat as she watched him rise. Nothing, she answered. There was a hint of sadness in her voice. Silence came once more before Quinn changed the subject. 
The child's caretaker, Trolene. He's gone? He asked flatly. Her thoughts were held too close to the service. Yes, but the children are aboard, and they are alone. Commander, I respectfully request permission to be relieved of duty for the evening. Of course, Commander. Please, tend to your children. Several stood, nodded, and walked out of the captain's ready room. Quinn sat down behind the captain's desk, took a deep breath, and tried to quiet the voices in his head. He did not tell Several the entire truth of why he did not go back for Captain Bell. He struggled with it, but was warned not to tell anyone. Yet, if Lieutenant Commander Savril was to become Quinn's number one, he must be able to confide in her the truth of the captain's disappearance and their entire mission. Quinn knew that he needed to speak with his senior staff, but decided to give them some much-needed rest. They were not arriving at Starbase 157 for another four hours. He decided he would have his staff meeting the next day at 1100 hours. Several found her children sleeping soundly in their own bed. The tall Vulcan woman strode quietly into the small room that held their slumbering forms and knelt beside Marin. The toddler's breaths were measured and deep as her right thumb slowly fell from the corner of her mouth. Several brushed a lock of wispy black hair from the little girl's forehead and kissed her cheek. Marin unconsciously raised a tiny eyebrow in response, yet never stirred from her deep slumber. Her mother removed the girl's shoes and pulled the blanket up to cover her. Then she stood and moved to the child who slept on the other side of the bed. Naval shifted from his left to his right side. His little face contorted into a frown as he muttered something low under his breath. Savril knelt down and pulled the boy's shoes off, then tugged the blanket up over his twitching legs. She watched him for a minute and then gently placed her hand on his until the twitching stopped. Though he did not wake, a small smile grew upon his face, producing two dimples. <laughs> she kissed his forehead and then back from the room and bumped into the silhouetted form standing in the entry. Several startled and spun quickly on her heel, instinctively falling into a defensive stance. The quiet whisper that followed caused her to relax slightly. That's my girl. Nice reaction time. Great form. But you let me slip in behind you. What if my intentions had been uh, criminal? She knew that voice. It belonged to her husband. Yet David was on assignment for Section 31. How did he get aboard the ship? David. The relief in her voice was evident. I wish, the voice muttered sarcastically to himself. Actually, I'm a hologram that David programmed. Several keyed a sequence into the panel behind her, and the door of the children's room slid shut. I was not aware my husband was capable of programming holograms, she stated flatly. The hologram walked over to the chair, plopped down, and put his feet up on the table in the center of the room. He's not, but he has friends who are. Section 31 is full of smart people. Several remained standing near the door to the children's room. Too much had happened in the recent days. If you are a hologram designed by my husband, then what is your purpose? She inquired coolly. He smiled and nodded towards the door that Several had closed only moments before. I'm the babysitter, he said with a wink. The babysitter, Several repeated. Why didn't David inform me of your program? Because he knew I'd be adamantly opposed to one that could kill, he replied with a grin. I've been programmed in every form of advanced martial art that Section 31 has on file. I was activated before you left Space Dock and have been quietly keeping an eye on things. Where'd you dig up that old fossil you called the caretaker? You hired him to take care of our kids? 
Oh, sure. He was nice old blue hair, but he was always AWOL. By the way, where's that old coot now? Several frowned. She didn't have an answer for him. The retired Betazoid teacher, whom she had hired to watch their children when she was on duty, was simply gone. She suspected he was part of a group who was responsible for Captain Bell's disappearance. Our last mission involved beings who were master illusionists. You could be yet another of their cruel deceptions. Did they have something to do with the crew's sudden vacation? He asked sarcastically. Several did not respond to his remark. Oh, hey, I programmed the Great Water Park simulation on the holodeck while you're all on break. (laughs) He nodded towards the children's room again. When they wake up, I'll take them there. David obviously gave the supposed hologram his own unique brand of humor in addition to his appearance and voice. He could tell that she still wasn't convinced that he was telling her the truth. You're a scientist. Run a diagnostic on me. He gave her a wink and then tossed her a tricorder. She caught it, but opened her desk drawer and removed one of her own. One that she was certain hadn't been tampered with. He smiled. Ah, you'd make a great agent, Severil. Better safe than sorry, right? She laid his device down on the desk and ran the diagnostic of their own. He was exactly what he said he was. A hologram. She closed the tricorder and looked up to meet his smile, which, before now, had only belonged to her husband, David. You look exhausted, he said. I'll shut down. You get some shut-eye. She watched as the hologram vanished. In the silence following the hologram's disappearance, she finally had time to realize how much she missed the real David. (laughs) Several awoke to the sound of children's laughter... The hologram was back and apparently entertaining the children. When the twins noticed her, the hologram stopped what he was doing and walked to the replicator. Vulcan spice tea, hot. After the replicator formed a cup of tea, he removed the beverage, pulled a chair out, and motioned for Savril to sit in it. Good morning, he said with a smile as he set the drink on the table before her. What are we to call you? She asked. We will not refer to you as David. His smile faded. Not a problem. Um, call me, uh, Dennis. Dennis was David's nickname in middle school. His basketball coach used to call him Dennis the Menace because of his fair hair and his tendency for trouble. The real David despised the name. His hologram didn't seem to mind it. I insist that the children call you that as well. Logically, he replied, then rumpled Naval's hair as the boy climbed up into Severel's lap and hugged her. She hugged him back. Eleven hundred hours came quickly, and Quinn stood in the ready room as members of his senior staff arrived and took their seats. Quinn sat down and began to speak. I know a lot of you have questions about what happened with the Iconians and where the captain might be. At this time, I cannot tell you the details of his mission. What I can tell you is that Starfleet has made me temporary captain of the USS Tiberius and Lieutenant Commander Severil my first officer. We will not be going to Starbase 157. Starfleet has asked us to go to Altair 3. It's third planet in the Altair system. Starfleet has lost communication with their outpost and need us to find out what happened. We'll arrive there in six days. Any questions? The counselor sat down at the table and looked at his fellow crewmates. They were all concerned, and so was he. The day before this, he had found out his son asleep on the couch, compliments of the Iconians. It had been very uncomfortable, and after he had awakened, and Margon couldn't stop thinking about it. But now was not the time to think about family problems. There were much bigger things to be concerned about. The counselor focused his thoughts on Commander Quinn's voice. 
We'll arrive in six days. Any questions? Yes, Commander, said Margon. If my memory serves me correctly, this system was the victim of an interplanetary war for decades. I read about the peace talks and the Federation's influence in this star system. Have you been in contact with the Klingon Empire about our outpost? An excellent question. If the Klingon Empire is not aware of the situation, they should be informed immediately. They, too, have citizens living on Altair Three, and I am positive they will want to investigate. Quinn nodded to Margon. Yes, they're on their way now. We're to coordinate our investigation with them. Although the Bajoran was not technically a crew member, she was assigned to the ship by Starfleet Command to make sure that the regulations were strictly followed. During its mission, the Tiberius would be involved in an unusual number of prickly political deliberations. Starfleet Brass wanted a starchy, straight-laced law lover to keep the interests of Starfleet at the forefront of the captain's mind. Now that Captain Bell was missing, that person was Commander Quinn. When the briefing had ended, and all but Lieutenant Commander Severill and Commander Quinn had left the room, Avrick Newell entered. She sidestepped the last of the senior staff as they left and made her way to where the acting captain stood. Commander! The JAG officer wore a warm, friendly smile as she nodded to Quinn and Savril. They greeted her in turn. Her smile shrank slightly as she continued. I felt now was a good time as any to share with you the reason for my presence aboard the Tiberius. Before now, only Captain Bell, Admiral Watts, and Admiral Talbot were privy to this information. Because of the unfortunate events of our last assignment, and now that you are acting captain, I thought you should know. I know why you're here, Lieutenant, Quinn replied in his usual soft-spoken voice. Starfleet gives us difficult assignments, but they want a spokesperson to poke around with your investigations and micromanage our decisions. Micromanage? Averick's usual cheerful countenance was replaced by a furrowed frown. Quinn nodded and smiled. She was a quick-witted, albeit quick-tempered young woman, yet her blend of duty and personality made him respect her. I like you, Lieutenant. His response surprised Avrig. But don't push your luck. You may be Starfleet's eyes and ears, but I'm still in command of this ship. He paused before continuing in a gentler tone. I realize that you did not ask to be put in this situation. This is your first assignment on a starship, isn't it? He walked around the end of the table to close the distance between he and Avrig. Yes, it is, Commander. Though I can't say that I'm enjoying it much. She replied with a frown. He laughed. <laughs> Neither am I. If you respect my authority's commander of this vessel, then I respect your assignment as my counsel. Of course, Commander. I have no intention of browbeating you with Starfleet law. I'm just an advisor. Her smile had returned. I'm sure you're a good one, Lieutenant. She nodded in response and then offered a hand to Quinn. Thank you, Commander. She replied. The Burrell variant bird of prey resembled the Batleth posed for combat, yet the Klingon vessel was there to help the Tiberius not engage her. Hailing frequencies open, Commander. The captain's chair was positioned between Savril and Margon. Savril watched as Quinn rose from the seat to introduce himself to the Klingon vessel displayed on the viewscreen before him. Avrick Newell stood behind her at the auxiliary station. It was the first time she had ever stepped foot on the bridge and she felt exhilarated. Quinn could feel her anticipation as he spoke aloud to the captain of the Klingon ship. Commander Quinn stood and faced the viewscreen. A very beautiful Klingon woman appeared on the screen. I am Karen, captain of the battlecruiser Katar. 
Welcome to the Altar System. The Klingon Empire extends warm greetings and looks forward to assisting the Federation in its investigation. Thank you, Corinth. Your assistance is welcomed. We will rendezvous in three hours at coordinates 3565.1, Quinn replied. Until we meet in person. The Klingon smiled. Quinn nodded and the screen went blank. Quinn turned to Severil with a smile. Well, that was a little too pleasant, wasn't it? Captain Corinth is not too pleased with her new assignment. I didn't need my telepathic abilities for that. Indeed, replied the Vulcan. Quinn sat back down. We need to prepare all stations. Something just doesn't feel right about this. The dust from the surface of Altair Three mixed in the atmosphere to create a mass of swirling red clouds. The Tiberius maintained a stationary orbit with respect to the outpost on the planet's surface. Sir, sensors are indicating weapons fire within the outpost. In a matter of seconds, the image of Corinth, captain of the Klingon Bird of Prey, appeared on the view screen. We are detecting a conflict below. I am preparing a landing party of my best warriors. We would be honored if you joined us in battle, Commander. She tossed her head up and revealed a vicious smile as she waited his answer. Margon motioned to Quinn to mute the communication. He glanced at the communication station and then turned towards the counselor. Yes, counselor? he asked. I don't trust her, sir, Margon cautioned. He rubbed the ridge of his nose. We have no idea what our intentions are, and if what you are sensing is even half right, we could be in serious danger if we beam down there with them. Thank you, counselor, said Quinn. I'll take it under advisement. Right now, I need to answer our Klingon friend. But, commander, I heard you, counselor. Margon was cut off by Quinn. Quince glanced again at the communication station, and the audio was turned back on. We'd be happy to join you. Please send the coordinates to our transporter room. Corinth smiled and nodded. Then the screen went blank. Quinn turned towards his counselor. I apologize for my abruptness. I know Corinth is up to something. She was getting suspicious of my silence. I had to answer her. Counselor Margon smiled. Do you know what she's hiding? I don't. I tried to probe her thoughts, but she's been training and closing off her mind. Not many Klingons can do that, Quinn replied. Quinn turned to Savril. Put together an away team and report to transporter room three. But number one, be very cautious. Things aren't as they seem. Aye, sir, replied the Vulcan as she headed towards the turbo lift. Ensign Enoch, you're with me. Enoch may not have been a security officer, but he was decidedly Klingon. His Starfleet profile indicated that he was particularly proficient in hand-to-hand combat. Aside from this fact, the purpose for his away team selection was simply the Ensign's Klingon heritage. For whatever reason, the commander and counselor were each suspicious of Corinth. Several claimed no fluency in Klingon body language and believed that Enoch could provide her with the insight that she needed if the captain of the Kata was indeed hiding something. Lieutenant Peters and Ensign Manrique and Stormshield met Several and Enoch in the transporter room one. Peters passed them each a phaser as they all took their places on the transporter pad. The way team turned to face the Denoblian transporter chief, but before Savril could give him the go-ahead to beam to the surface, Dr. Peterson rushed through the doors into the transporter room. Command codes verified. Activating final thoughts. All right, so uh, we have a few final thoughts. First, we want to ask folks to send in congratulations to one of our RPG players. Um, he's a great guy. 
He goes by Hawkeye Meds on the forum. And he um, plays the chief security officer. Yes. Um, Lieutenant DeColin. Colin, yes. He recently, as of yesterday, is a married man. Yeah. Yay. And he's going to be out, though, for how long? Two, three weeks. Two weeks? Yeah, yeah, probably three weeks. that's a long honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I suspect he'll be going through withdrawals for the RPG. Cause yeah. he's a, he's, and the forums, because he's a, he's a big presence on the forums. So yes. we just wanted to send congratulations out. And if you guys want to send something to us for him, um, we can play him in our podcast. Uh, you can send them to the ready room podcast at gmail.com or you can send them to Jen or myself's email or personal emails, which are, you can find in the forums. Just wanted to, again, so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that I was just going to say the same thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just reiterate how well everyone is doing and how the story is coming together nicely and just, um, encourage everyone to keep yeah. plugging the, plug it away yeah yeah i mean it's, it's, it's great it's really great if you go back to previous seasons because i enjoy doing that because i forget how big they were but you go back to previous seasons and just kind of read and watch how people improved in writing watch their characters growing um so much has happened in the the seven seasons that we've had because we've been doing this for about a year and a half now mm-hmm. so um you should definitely take a look back at season one, two, three, and and just you know, it's really it's really interesting to to read what's been going on, and I I think just the improvement alone in writing skills is really is really cool. I know my and spelling. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean everything. The overall um, posts have been a lot better, mm-hmm. so uh, I look forward to the coming seasons because. You know, if we're, if we're improving this much, I can't imagine another six months from now where we'll be. So keep it up, and uh, let's go ahead and quickly finish Season 7 um, so we can start prepping for Season 8, The Mirror Universe. Yay. <laughs> That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to be evil. <laughs> can't wait to be evil. <laughs> I'm not going to be evil. Maybe I'll make Took evil. That yeah, might be, be Quinn yeah. will be good. Took will be evil. Yeah. So. Maybe David, will, um, Sabril's husband will make a comeback in oh, this that's season. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. All right. I think that is going to do it. So uh, this is Kenny. And this is Jen. Hailing frequencies closed. The Ready Room theme and other RPG music was composed by Rick Moyer. Read more about the adventures of the USS Arabella at treksandsci-fi.com.